We can typically put out a car fire pretty quickly with just tank water, but it is more dynamic with a electric vehicle fire. It can take up to four and a half hours to cool those batteries so that they don't continuously reignite. Angeles. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. I'm back and ready to go again. Thank you for sticking with Code 3. This is still the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. Today, we're talking electric vehicles. If you live in L.A. like I do, you see them every day. Teslas and hybrids are everywhere. But there are a lot of places where electric vehicles or hybrids are still uncommon. The problem is these cars can be really dangerous when you do find one in an MBA. Time was we worried about electrical shock. But those were the early days, and the bright orange power cables have pretty well taken care of that worry. Nowadays, we are concerned about thermal runaways. That's when the lithium-ion battery gets so hot it starts a chain reaction that makes it tough to extinguish. That's why today we're talking with Captain Evan Gamage of the Phoenix, Arizona Fire Department. They've seen a lot more EVs involved in crashes and have learned to work them differently. And Evan Gamage joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. It's great to have you. Thank you, sir. Very great to be here. Electric vehicles are available everywhere, but there are certain parts of the country where they're a lot more common than others. Phoenix is one of those places where you're seeing more and more of them. How common are they in your city? As you said, um, the economy and, and the state is growing at a very fast rate in Arizona. So we're definitely getting a higher increase of electric vehicles. We do have Tesla dealerships in our state. And obviously, we're uh, neighboring to California. So we definitely have seen a, a higher influx of electric vehicles on our roads and consequently, electric vehicle collisions that we're dealing with more often. What's the major problem with these cars when they're involved in a crash? The basics of it um, that we try to make sure our men and women on the streets are aware of when it comes to a collision uh, with an electric vehicle is just that it's a little more dynamic. We have to take a step back and making sure we identify that it is either a hybrid or an electric vehicle because of the battery storage and electric components. Since they have the large battery storages typically underneath the vehicles, we have to be aware of making sure that those are disabled and uh, acknowledging if they've been compromised or not, because um, obviously they can have scenarios of thermal runaway and have different car fires than what we're used to um, with gas powered vehicles. So when you do get a thermal runaway or when they catch fire, don't you just drown the fire with the pumpers on board tank water? Isn't it that simple? No, it's a little more difficult, uh, much more time consuming. Uh, when you're dealing with an electric vehicle, um, one, you want to, as with any vehicle, you want to make sure that the car is shut down. We're turning off the battery system, trying to disconnect the 12-volt battery if we can. 
we opened up the hood, obviously, to make sure we identify if you can see the, uh, the orange cable running under the hood of either an electric vehicle or a hybrid vehicle. Um, that's the best and quickest way to identify the power source of that car. And when it comes to fighting those fires, as any firefighter on the streets know, we can typically put out a car fire pretty quickly with just tank water, but it is more dynamic with a electric vehicle fire because of the copious amounts of water um, that it takes to not only extinguish the initial fire from the battery, um, but it can take up to four and a half hours to cool those batteries so that they don't continuously reignite uh, with the thermal runaway. So we do have to find a water supply. So since we are a larger city, we do have a large amount of hydrants or plugs that we have access to, um, but we do have some rural areas. So if we're in a rural area, we have to take considerations of uh, possibly have a tanker or additional units respond with this just simply because of the time period that it takes to and again, the copious amount of water um, that is needed to extinguish those flames. What's the SOP for Phoenix Fire when you arrive at the scene of an EVMBA? Our standard operating procedures, as you said, we, uh, we consider these, it depends on where it's at, it depends on the condition of the batteries, but if the thermal runaway has started, again, it becomes more than a, a common, what we call 962 or motor vehicle collision um, in Phoenix. Let me interrupt you for a second. So when you guys are dispatched, I assume the dispatcher tries to find out whether or not it's an EV when they take the call, but how often do you guys find out if it's an EV before you arrive? Our alarm room is amazing. They do a great job. They, they ask all the important questions. So it's not uncommon for us to know before we get there or for our alarm room to provide that information so we have that heads up that it is an electric vehicle um, that we're dealing with. So more often than not, we will know um, early on in our dispatch if it is an electric vehicle or not. Okay, and I interrupted you, but you were talking about determining whether it was or not and what happens at that point. Once we have determined whether that's from our dispatch information um, or uh, simply the crews and, and captain identifying once you're on scene that it is an electric vehicle, um, if it is in thermal runaway, it's more common than not that we will upgrade that to a hazardous situation call involving a motor vehicle or electric vehicle. That's typically for us because we are also taking considerations of the, the fumes and, and smoke that and chemicals that come off of the battery as it burns. Um, and also we're concerned about the, the water um, that runs off of the vehicle while we're cooling those batteries and what it can do to the environment getting into the drains. Um, we try to take a full encompassing approach to all of our fires, especially when it comes to electric vehicles, because we do first and foremost want to keep our firefighters safe when they're responding, um, but also obviously our citizens and the environment and, and our state. Um, so since it becomes a, a hazardous situation, our hazardous materials crews will monitor the air and the smoke coming off of the vehicle just to see, uh, make sure it's in proper ranges. And we'll also, again, monitor the water that's running off. While they're focusing on that assignment, really the crew that's first on scene, you'll have one of our firefighters uh, ideally man the hose line that they don't have to um, stand there and hold, whether that's a portable monitor or, or anything of that sort. But if you're just having a hand line and that's all we have available on that truck, then that firefighter will be assigned um, and or his partner uh, of flowing that water continuously because it is again it's more of a 
the mindset is not so much of the flames because they'll go out quickly, um, but it's that cooling process of getting those lithium ion batteries to cool down and, and again, stop that decomposition process of the batteries. So then it sounds like you have hazmat responses to a lot of MVAs nowadays. I wouldn't say a lot. It's, it's not overly common for us to experience these vehicles igniting or to have the decomposition of those or, the, or compromising of those lithium-ion batteries. But when we do have those responses, again, we try to make sure that we're fully prepared. One of our most recent electric vehicle fires, it did turn into a hazmat call because the battery was compromised. But fortunately for us on that call or on that response, the, the chemical runoff was very minimal. Um, it was inside of proper ranges. We didn't have to worry about uh, bad chemicals getting into the drain. Um, simply just making sure that we kept the batteries cool to, again, uh, uh, minimize the decomposition and the release of those chemicals into the air. Um, that's, that's more or less what makes it a hazmat call for us. Now, these batteries are known for causing what you might call a rekindle even after the fire is out. I've heard reports of the batteries reigniting up to a week later. A week? What steps can we take to avoid that? Obviously, if we're in a situation where you're in a motor vehicle collision and those batteries have been compromised or fire is impinging upon them, once they're cooled, really the, the idea is to, obviously, you are not hoping that person takes that vehicle back to their home and make sure they're not storing that inside of their garage, inside of their home. Uh, make sure it's away from your home just in case those batteries do continue to uh, decompose. But typically, if it's a repair type scenario, we're always suggesting that our citizens authorize dealer of whomever they bought it from just to make sure those batteries are one repaired properly, removed of properly, and disposed of properly. Tesla has a full web page menu of every model's hazards. It's a lot to know. How do your firefighters keep all this material in mind? Being that, that we are um, a larger city, we're very fortunate to have a robust training sector within our department. So our chiefs and captains inside of that sector, they send out and we do battalion trainings and citywide trainings um, as often as possible. Obviously, we've been affected by the pandemic as much as everybody else, but we get emails on updates and online trainings that we can go over all of these things. Inside of the city of Phoenix, many of our practices are uh, repetition. We try to look for the big signs, identification. And the good thing about any of the Tesla models and or many of the other hybrid or electric vehicles, it's pretty standardized that any of their dangerous components um, under the hood, the electrical lines, they're all easy to identify and color-coded. So as I said earlier, the, the best thing is they keep it simple for us. If you have the large orange cords running through the hood of the vehicle into the vehicle, that's the quickest and simplest way to identify that you are dealing with an, uh, an electric vehicle. And then we just start with a standard operating procedures of how we deal with any of those scenarios um, no matter what kind of vehicle or what brand the vehicle is. Now, you mentioned training. The IAFC and the NVFC have done an admittedly small survey of fire departments, and they found that about half didn't have specific training recipes for EV fires. The NTSB says a third of fire departments don't train on them. Your reaction to that? My reaction to that is, is, is it's new. It's, it's new to the fire service. 
it, it's all dependent typically when we're speaking of the fire service on resources and and getting that training and information out to out to your membership we take a lot of ownership in the city of phoenix with our own training what's beautiful about the world of today and this world of information we have is as you were saying earlier uh, earlier tesla has their guides and there's a lot of online training as far as international or, uh, fire organizations um, to help guys prepare and have the heads up and take uh, some personal responsibility for you know the scenarios that and the uh, the dangerous situations that we are uh, naturally put in with our profession and responding to uh, the electric vehicle fires so i'm sure as with anything else um, as with house fires or any other fire that we run into our industry is constantly evolving our training is going to constantly evolve and i'm sure our fire service has as uh, more and more fire departments um, and cities have more and more electrical vehicles on the road the hope is that the training will catch up and, and will evolve along with uh, the new world that we are going to be experiencing. But my response to different departments not having that training is, as you said, not as many cities in, uh, are having as high growth rate of electric vehicles as we do. So again, I'm sure as the exposure comes, hopefully we can try to prepare ahead of time uh, with any online resources and or developing of trainings. But until then, we would, we would just hope that guys operate as safely as possible and, and that we'll just continue to grow with the new world. All right, let's talk about the future of this stuff. There have been some weird developments like a box that surrounds the car and you drown it with water or that Rosenbauer nozzle that's designed to fit under the car and shoot the water directly into the battery. Are gadgets or ideas like these practical or are they even necessary for more departments to have? I would say in, in, in the city of Phoenix, our approach is we don't shy away from innovation. Whatever can help us operate safely and more efficiently, not only, again, for the safety of our firefighters, but for our citizens, we are very comfortable with exploring different devices, different modalities, and different approaches to putting out fires and doing it safely. Have we, that I know of, I'm not sure if we have um, even investigated into, like you're saying, the new Rosenbauer tip and or this box that you're speaking of. But for me, in my mindset, if it can be done affordably for a city and for its customers, and it provides a, a safer environment for both the firefighters and citizens, uh, I believe progress is always a good thing inside of the fire service. All right, Captain Evan Yemens, we'll leave it there. Thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today. Awesome, Scott. Thank you for having me on your show today. There is a lot more to know about how to safely and effectively put out these EV fires. I put links to lots of resources on our website at code3podcast.com slash EV. And if your department doesn't do a lot of EV training, maybe you can ask your battalion chief or even your assistant chief to listen to Captain Gamage on this podcast. EVs will be everywhere soon. Will you be ready? It's up to you. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.